Psalm number 113, verses 7 and 8. When you get there, say amen. Amen. You'll find these words. It says, he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that or so that. So God doesn't just pick you up, but he picks you up and he places you somewhere. So that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. Can you say amen? amen. Tonight I want to talk on this subject, and we may take a couple weeks to deal with this or more, how the Lord leads. I want to talk about sitting with princes, sitting with princes, sitting with princes. He raises, he lifts, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. Father God, tonight, thank you for giving us opportunity to spend this time in your word. I pray that, God, you give me a, a special anointing to minister this word tonight. Allow me to speak things I've not already heard or thought. Allow me to move in ways I've not seen. And I pray that your people are as anointed tonight to hear the word as I am to minister the word. That the word will find good ground, good soil, and that, God, it would do what you sent it to do in the hearts of your people. Raise us, elevate us to that place that we need to operate in, Father, to operate with you. We receive you. We thank you for the word. Have your way now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Sitting with princes. Sitting with princes. Hallelujah. I've been talking about how the Lord's been moving us as a ministry to a, a greater level or great di greater dimension of operation. And uh, we're about to mark, as I said earlier, uh, 25 years of um, faithful service to the kingdom of God. I believe that deserves a hand clap tonight. E even if you've not been here the full 25 years, uh, you, you and I tonight are, are standing on uh, the labors that have gone forward before us uh, in the years past, whether people were uh, here and are still here, whether people were here and they left. Somebody labored so that we could be here tonight. We, we don't just walk in on nothing. We walk in on something. And so, but what God is doing, even with what we've already seen, what, God, what has already transpired as ministry, God has taken us to a higher level, to a greater dimension of operation. Amen. Because when you have been faithful, faithfulness will bring promotion. Faithfulness brings promotion. Say that, faithfulness brings promotion. Matthew 25, verse 21, Jesus talking to uh, this parable. Jesus tells about the man who had given uh, these talents, five, two, and one talents. Remember that story? And to the man who gave five and the man who gave two, you see an example of it in verse 21 where he says, he says, you've been faithful uh, over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. 
So notice, faithfulness took the man from uh, being over a few things to being a ruler. He wasn't a, a ruler at first. He was a steward. But his faithfulness as a steward took him to becoming, uh, made him a ruler, not over the same few things, but over many things. Hallelujah. And I believe, and I'm not saying this to, to, to you know, engrandize myself or this church, but this just a, a principle, that because we have been faithful, because deep we could have quit. We could have quit. Times where we felt like quitting. Hallelujah. Times when all the odds were stacked against us, when everything looked like we had failed and we should just go and fold. But we're still here because of faithfulness. And I'm in telling you, just hold on. Buck your seatbelts. Because God's taking us somewhere. Uh, if I can get 10 people excited, I'll be happy. Just, I said, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean us. I mean us. He's taking us somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's where this church is going. And if you're connected, I told you that's where you're going too. That's where you're going too. But there's something that goes with that. Luke 12, 48 says this, that to whom much is given... From him, much will be required. So when God gives you much, he'll require much. And then it goes on to say, um, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So the more, the more um, territory you have, the more responsibility you have. And, and many of us, we want the more before we've proven ourselves faithful in the little. But once we get the more, we got to be ready for more responsibility. Glory to God. That's why I told you I didn't get overly excited when the prophecy came about us having multiple services because that sounded to me like more. <laughs> more responsibility, more work. More work. And that's why the, the man of God said when he said it that day, he said, he's going to need your help. He's going to need your help. He said it multiple times. He's going to need your help because it takes more of us to get the job done. But I believe we can handle it. Well, I believe we can handle it. I don't know about me. I said, I believe we can handle it. So God's requiring more. But notice again, we're moving from just stewards to, it says, rulers. Okay? Now, so you and I have to know that the requirements go up as the, the territory goes up. Remember, uh, I think it was Jabez said, Lord, enlarge my territory. But he said, first, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Well, when you get in large territory, you better be able to handle more and do more and be just as faithful in the much as you were in the little. Amen? So what has to happen is, I, you know, 3 John, uh, there's only one chapter, 3 John chapter 1 verse 2 says that, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper, come on, be in health what? As your soul prospers. So God can only prosper you as much as your soul prospers. So your soul has to be enlarged. Your heart, uh, the Bible says that about Solomon, that God gave King Solomon largeness of heart. 
We like to read about what God did in Solomon's life, but first thing God did was he gave Solomon largeness of heart. He, he increased Solomon's capacity. So God has to increase our capacity to handle the great things he wants to do in our lives. Amen? Remember, there was one man who, who Jesus said in Matthew 25 had five talents. One man had two. One man had one. The Bible says each one according to his own ability. So he only, re he only released to them what he knew they were able to handle. And sometimes we can be looking for more than we're able to handle at the moment. How does God know what I can handle? Because he's been watching what you, how you handle the little that you have. But the more we prove ourselves faithful and responsible in where we are, the more he'll begin to grant things. Remember the guy who, who increased from 5 to 10, the one who, who took his one and hid it, he said, take that one that he had and give it to the one who has a 10 now. And the people were like, hey, he already got 10. That ain't right. He said, no, he can handle it. He says, to, to whoever has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. Remember the story? He says, so whoever has, more will be given. So if you prove yourself faithful, he'll keep giving you more and you'll have abundance. Amen. All right. Now, last Wednesday we taught on this message, you can't take everybody with you. Remind your neighbor, say, neighbor, you can't take everybody with you. We looked at in 2 Kings 4, remember that? This woman, this widow and her sons, who they were um, down to the last dime, and she went to the man of God, hey, they're about to come take my sons and to be their slave, to be the slaves. And uh, he said, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do I have to do with you? What do you have in your house? She said, all I have is this jar of oil. And he gave her instructions, go borrow many vessels. Don't borrow a few. Go borrow many vessels. Come back, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it out, right? right. And, and we taught about shutting the door behind you and so forth. But we went, came back last week with a PS and said, you can't take everybody with you. Why? Because they were going into a different dimension, a different level, a different way of operating. Y'all got that? And because of that, they had, to, they had to go by themselves. Now, this is going to come, come into play tonight. Where God's taking you, where he's taking us, where he's taking, I'm going to say me if you want to say anything, where he's taking me. I, I, I can't take everybody with me because I'm going to a, a place of faith, a place of supernatural, a place of the miraculous. So they were going to a different place, a different level of, of, of uh, operating, but also, if you read, know the story, a different place of living. You look down in 2 Kings 4 verse 7. And the Bible says she, you know, she had come to the man of God, hey, we got it. And he said, listen, this is what you do. Now go sell the oil, pay the debt, and live on the, you and your sons live on the rest. So they go from broke to suddenly being multi-generational wealth, wealthy. So there, I, 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 I want to make sure I say this, get you all to see this. Not only were they operating differently, but they're not going to live differently. Um, one, one of the most tragic things I see in the sports world of Baker is, is when some guy signs a multi-million dollar, multi-hundred million dollar contract at, these, at this point, and they go and they still want to run with all their boys in the hood. 
and hang around with Mama Cedar them. Still run with the same crowd. Because they're trying to take everybody with them. Well, these people, they, they, they've been with me since when they have, they believed in me. They, I, I, I know I got that. I, I understand your, your desire to help them. It will be better for you to, to, to break off a couple million dollars and, and just leave them and move on. Then to try to just uh, ration it out as they go along with you. Because what happens is because nobody changes their mentality, their mindset, they still have a uh, um, uh, hillbilly mindset in Beverly Hills. They live in, they, they want to move to you of Beverly Hills and still going to try to shoot coons in the front yard. They're going to go and be trying to hang, hang all their clothes out on the line. Y'all, y'all better catch it. Huh? Because, because they've not renewed their minds. So this woman in 2 Kings 4, she didn't just step into faith, supernatural, miracles. She now steps into a place a lifestyle that she's never known and the folk around her don't know. No, I don't know if y'all got it. Live on the rest. Live on the rest means you don't have to go back to work. Your sons don't have to go to work. There's obviously, no, I mean, they went they went from broke to barons in an in instant. In, I mean, I mean, really, they, this is oil. They, they, they became oil barons overnight. You understand what I mean? They went from broke to tycoons in, in a matter of 24 hours. That's a whole different lifestyle that, that, than they were used to, and nobody else around them knows that. Now, I want to tell you tonight that your... Your turnaround, how many of y'all believe in God for a turnaround in your life? Your turnaround may not be as dramatic, but I believe it will be as drastic. I don't know who got that. It may not be as dramatic. In other words, it may not be overnight, 24 hours, but it will be. If you use your faith, it will be as drastic. You are going to go from one extreme to another. I believe God is going to take you and me. He's going to take this place. He's going to take every one of us who believe from a place of hardly having anything, barely making it, scratching to make it, to a place where we got so much we got to find folk to bless. I got to I gotta minister to somebody because I'm blessed. I believe that, Deke. I receive that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's going to require me to uh, shift, to shift. Hallelujah. So when this is happening, um, there are some adjustments that must be made as we go up. Come on, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 113, 7 and 8. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't include this in the, in the notes media, but uh, I think it's over in 1 Samuel 2. Because this is actually a quote. Um, verse 8. Verse 8. 1 Samuel 2 verse, verse 8. Verse 7. The Lord makes poor, makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit. Come on. So moving people from struggling to living on an inheritance. Doesn't the Bible say that God is, I think it's Colossians 1, 13, somewhere around there. He's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So we're supposed to be living off an inheritance and enjoying a different level of life. You ever heard of a trust fund baby? <laughs> they live a different lifestyle, not based on their works, but based on their DNA. Doesn't your Bible say that we've been made partakers of his divine nature? We have God's DNA. We've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, the word of God. So you and I are part of God's family. We have his DNA. We are to inherit, live off our inheritance, and not, not trying to make it on our own. Y'all got this here. Now, now, go back to Psalm 113. This is just, that was just a reference there in, second, in 1 Samuel 2. Because it says, I want you to see these words. He raises. Everybody's getting a raise tonight. Some of y'all didn't even shout. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. That he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. Now, issue is that we have to deal with tonight, and I wish the whole church were here, because there's a lot of this in the church, in this church, is that some people are so used to dust and ashes that they can't go where God wants them to go.
to the bottom. So used to the barely making it. So used to scraping the bottom of the barrel. So used to the barely getting by. So used to the struggle. Oh, yeah, that, that's it, that's it, that's it. That, that's the modern word. Uh, the struggle is real. And, and some people have, have grown to, to embrace the struggle. Oh, I, I know. It's, it's all, all over TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. People want to embrace the struggle, the struggle. As if that's our portion. But the portion is not, the, your, the, the struggle is not your portion. Tell your neighbor, the struggle is not your portion. I have been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor is seed begging bread. The struggle is not your portion. Saying the song back out there in the religious churches, struggling, straining on my way home. But that's not our portion. Climbing up the rough side of the mountains, and that's not your portion. Jesus didn't tell you to climb up some rough side of some mountain. He said, You speak to that mountain. Tell her to move out of your way. Then you go climbing and glorifying, the, get, getting glory out of climbing. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. The struggle is not my portion. Hallelujah. He, he raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. Now that word dust comes from a Hebrew word afar, afar, which means dry earth, dust, you know that, right? Powder, ashes, earth, ground. That's important. Ground, mortar, rubbish. Rubbish is trash, garbage. So it's the bottom. Notice all these things, dry earth, dust. Dust settles. Y'all missed it. Dust settles. And that's where many of God's people are stuck. Settling like dust. When the Bible says that we're supposed to be heaping up silver like the dust. Oh, come over here. We're supposed to be heaping up silver like the dust. Not settling like dust. The dust is dust. The dust settles. Uh, let, me, let me keep going. Um, uh, powder, ashes. You can throw ashes in the air. What does it all do? Just settles. Earth, ground, ground. You, when they say get it on the ground floor, what does that mean? At the bottom. Mortar, rubbish, rubbish. That's trash. That's garbage. He lifts, he raises the poor out of the dust, out of the rubbish, out of the ashes, out of the ground. So notice that God's, he, he doesn't come along and massage you where you are. Come on. 
He doesn't endorse your poverty and your lack and your struggling and straining. He doesn't endorse that. Contrary to what popular teaching is in the church, God is not behind and is not an endorser of this bottom low-level living. Because the Bible says he raises the poor out. If God was endorsing poverty, he'd be going against his own will right here if he's raising the, if raising the poor out. So he raised a part of the dust. And this says he lifts the needy out of the ash heap. That word ash heap in the, in the King James is the word dunghill. The dunghill. Ashpoth is the word. Or ashpoth is the word actually how you pronounce it. It means the ash heap. It means the refuse heap. Refuse is another, another word for garbage, trash, um, waste, excrement. trying to say it without being crass. It's what the dogs leave behind. That's why we don't need dogs in the stores and dogs in the church and dogs in dogs leave. Deacon Robert tells a story of winning, I'm, I'm not going to call a store because I, I like the store, but he tells a story about how we went in the store and the, and the dog was in the store and left a souvenir in the store. Because dogs do what dogs do. <laughs> Refuse heap. Dung hill. You follow that word out, it means a heap of rubbish. Filth. So notice where God finds the poor and the needy in this low place. Not in penthouse living, not in some suite somewhere. He finds the poor and the needy in this lowest place, the, the lowest place you can find somebody. But if he finds you there, he never wants to leave you there. He's going to raise and he's going to lift. Glory to God. The dust in the ash sheep is bottom level. It's, it's, it's living like garbage. It's is living like um, uh, a, li living a crappy life. I'll say it that way. A crappy life. And people celebrate that like it's the struggle and it's, it's good. And it's not good. Tell your neighbor, it's not good. Do you remember, you remember this, the parable? It wasn't the parable, actually, the, actually the true story, the true account of Lazarus and the rich man? Y'all remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? And Jesus tells this story that uh, Lazarus was poor. He was a poor beggar. And he would sit at the man's gate every day uh, hoping to get crumbs from the man's table and so forth. And uh, he wouldn't get anything. And he was all covered in sores and boils. And the Bible says, and moreover, the dogs would lick his, lick his sores. And preachers preach that like, yeah, but, you know, he was poor, but at least God would send the dogs to come lick his wounds. No, man, look, use a dictionary every once in a while. Moreover doesn't mean yes, but moreover means even worse. It's moreover. In other words, on top of that. So the dogs licking his wound was not a good thing. The dogs licking his wounds meant it was worse. The dog licked his wounds. Preachers, yeah, dogs. 
yeah, I want to be like Lazarus. At least I make it in. No. Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he was poor, and the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. But what Jesus did say about the rich man was that he fared sumptuously every day. He was clothed in fine purple and arrayed in fine linen and so forth. And when, when he did wake up in hell, the Bible says he asked Abraham, hey, send the, this, this man, Lazarus, dip his finger in some cool, y'all know the story, right? And come and cool my tongue with some of that water. And, and Abraham said, no, he can't do that. There's a gulf between us. He says, and, and, and he said, but first, you already enjoyed your good things in this life. Jesus identified that man's life as good. <laughs> Y'all missing it. So having your own gate was good. Eating well every day, Jesus called that good. Being dressed in fine linen and purple every day, he called that good. Not having a beggar's life, he called that good. Hallelujah. Because that's what God he wants to do to every one of us is raise us up and lift us up. Out of the dunghill, out of the ash heap, out of the dust. Can you say amen? amen. Now remember now, he said he wants to do that and cause us to sit with princes. Say, maybe you're going somewhere. Remember I told you, you can't take everybody with you. Said you can't take everybody with you now. Because here's the reality, is that some people are dust and ash heap kind of people. They are more comfortable, <laughs> dusty and ashy. We're talking about princes now, right? Princes. We're, we're going we're to sit with princes. But some people are, are more comfortable dusty and ashy. And if you were to make them, make them sit among a prince, they'd be so uncomfortable. They, they'd be squirming and trying to find a way to get out of it because they're, they're not comfortable among princely people. So y'all looking at me. They're not comfortable around princely people, and so they'll talk themselves out of it. They'll, I, I got to find a way to get out of here because I'm, I'm really more comfortable dusty and ashy. I'm really more comfortable in this low level of living. I'm really more comfortable having nothing. I'm really more comfortable uh, with my little struggle. I'm really, I'm really more comfortable uh, uh, just, just trying to barely make it. I'm really more comfortable with my kind. Baby, God's trying to change your kind. Because if you're born again, that is not your kind. They're no longer, oh man, that, 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 yo men, I like this. They're not even your kin. No, y'all don't like that. Not only are they not your kind, they're no longer your kin. I'm talking about some of your kin folk who they dusty, ashy, and you know it, and yet you are more comfortable with your dusty, ashy family. God's trying to 
get you in a place, into a place of royalty. A place of rulership. A place of high class living. But if you've been so used to, so accustomed to dusty and ashy, you ever see folk just, you ever see folk physically just dusty and ashy? Look straight ahead, look straight ahead, look straight ahead. Don't, don't look around at anybody, don't look around, don't you look at anybody. Clothes always wrinkled. You never iron the clothes. You never. Clothes always have spots in them. Y'all, y'all don't like me. Clothes never put together. Strings hanging everywhere. Let me pull that string. No, no, don't, don't pull that string. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about to sit with princes. See, where we're going. I don't want to leave none of y'all behind. I'm, I'm just saying. We're going to sit with princess, Miss Leanne. You're going to have to shift if you're going to sit with princess because you can't come in around princess and your breath stank like that. You can't. You got to do something about that, man. You got floss. Go see the dentist. Brush, gargle, correct that mess. If not, break. You wear a mask. If you wear not, you just wear a mask. Then. Are y'all are y'all hearing me? Listen, don't get offended. I'm just I'm trying I'm trying to help us all come up to a place. We're going to sit with princes. Hallelujah. I know, I know Pastor Kim deals with the, with the women a lot. You know, talking about how you got to fix that, tidy it, you know, straighten all that kind of stuff up, right? Men, we got to do the same thing, men. Can't be looking all half put together. Pants him. Jacket. It's coming apart. It's coming apart. 
Dusty and ashy. Straight ahead, look straight ahead if you have to. No, you gotta wash it, you gotta clean it. I, I don't wanna read about nobody else believing God for no Mercedes, nothing, for no Bentley, nothing, and you're not gonna keep your old Toyota clean. Princess. You know how embarrassing it would be you driving a Bentley down the road and the and air don't work. No, clean it. Clean it. Dirty clothes, dirty car, dirty house. That's that's dust. That's dust. That's rubbish. That's filth. Hallelujah. But I, I see me, I can't stay down there. I don't know who's going to go up there with me, but I, don't, I can't stay down there. But see, here's the thing. You have to change. Don't, don't get offended. You have to change your environment, your circle, because sometimes the people in your circle are dusty, ashy people, and you, 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 you reflect who you run with. That's why I told you last week, you can't take everybody with you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. Go, go to Exodus 12. Let me hurry up. Exodus 12. I'll get somewhere. I'll get somewhere. Exodus 12, verse 37, 38. Because you, you, got, you got to really change. You might have to. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but you might have to. Some of y'all, you might be the problem. But you, am I right? Because you got to change inside. Some, 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 some of you, your friends might be trying to pull you up. And you're the one resisting. some of y'all faces, y'all like, none of this matters. This is not important. Yes, it is. If you're going to represent the king, you cannot keep representing the king with a pauper's look and lifestyle. I'm going to just tell you this. I'm going to tell you the truth. See, that, that's, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why I'm, I'm so over all these, all these uh, muscle shirt, tight pants, skinny jeans, split knee wearing preachers. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. 
why? I was watching one of those Colorado games. And, uh, you know, you got, you know, 60,000, 80,000 people in the stands, 80,000 people in the stands. You got millions watching at home. And I saw the commentators. The commentators were dressed. And see, here's the common misnomer in the church. What's perpetuated as foolishness in the church is that in the church they say, well, you have to dress down to relate to the people so the people can relate to you. Explain to me how guys in full two and three piece suits on the sideline or in the booth of a football game relate to millions of people sitting in their in house with nacho cheese all around their mouth. chicken wing juice around their mouth in the stands with no shirts on. But they're suited up. because Not, not because of who they're trying to reach, but who they represent. Jesus wasn't like that. Explain a robe that was so tight that the officers gambled over his robe. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, see, I'm talking about sitting with princes. Sitting with princes. But sometimes your crowd has to be shaken up. Exodus 12, 37, 38. The children of Israel gathered ahead. They're going through the wilderness, heading to their promised land. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. Verse 38. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. So notice who went with them, a mixed, remember I told you last week, you can't take everybody with you. They took a mixed multitude. Now theologians, in fact, if you read some other, other translations, it'll say something like, they, these were other foreigners. So these were not Egyptians that went with them. Egypt was a world empire at that time. It was a world empire. And they had slaves from all different kinds, all different nations. And so when they left Egypt, the children of Israel left Egypt, they took other slaves with them. All the slaves were free. They took other slaves with them from foreign nations. Now, you might have had a few. In fact, um, if, if you look at that, that word mixed, um, in some translations, it'll, it'll give this definition in the Hebrew, uh, the word rabble. You know the word rabble? Rabble is like um, scoundrels, low-down, dirty people. So they took some scoundrels, some low-down thinking people with them. So when you get over to Numbers chapter 11, Numbers 11, starting at verse 4, it says, Now the mixed multitude, remember them? Yeah. I said, y'all remember them? Yeah. Who were among them yielded to intense craving. They had something in them that, ye, that made them want what they weren't getting from divine supply. 
So the children of Israel also wept again and said. Now notice, the mixed multitude is the one who start talking, but then the children of Israel start weeping again. They got them stirred up. And they start saying, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish, which we ate freely in Egypt. Now they think about fish. They eat freely in Egypt. Now they're on the way to Canaan, Canaan with unlimited supply of everything. But remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now they said freely. Now, I don't know if they understood. You were slaves. It wasn't free. There's always a hook. There's always a catch. It's like living on welfare. There's always a catch. You know the catch to welfare? You can't be married. You, you, can't, you can't raise a family the Bible way. Y'all quiet here. Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. You can't be on welfare and, and the daddy in the house. Not and they know it. So it ain't free cheese. It ain't free peanut butter. It costs you your real life. It costs you. Y'all quiet. He said we ain't freely, but they wasn't free. But because, because their minds weren't on where they were going, their minds were on what they were leaving. They said in verse 6, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. It's nothing except this manna. Now, manna was divine supply. God giving them dessert every single day. All just providing. But because they looked back at what they had, they, had, they, were, they were running with rabble. They were running with people who were used to the, the dust and the ash. <laughs> they went back. They wanted to go back. Now, y'all got a few more minutes. Dusty and ashy people. This, this is what, what, we, what they had, where they were, right? They always want what's familiar regardless of the indignities. They want what's familiar regardless of the indignities. They were eating fish and hog maws and all that stuff back there, but it wasn't dignified. They had to give up their dignity to have it. Be enslaved, raped, separated. Come on, y'all ain't saying that to me. But they were willing to, to go through that to get the handouts. That's dusty and ashy. Oh, Lord. man bought me, he, he, he bought me a chunk necklace. He, he bought me a chunk necklace, a herringbone, and, and, and I know he ain't no good. 
And it's, it's, it's three, three other women besides me. I know that. But child, I need my rent paid. I, Indignities, but it's familiar. Degrading, but it's familiar. It's life in the dust, life in the ash heap. And no matter what you got to sacrifice in your dignity, the devil wants to keep you way, way back there. And God's trying to bring you up to a princely place. How many of y'all willing to go up where we're talking about here? How many of y'all willing to go there? The children of Israel, 400 years as slaves, it broke them. Because they came from princely lineage. Can I show it to you? Look, look, in, look in Genesis uh, 17, verse 15. Genesis 17, verse 15. says, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Now, Sarai means princess. So Sarai's name meant princess. Then he said, change the name to, from Sarah to Sarah. Sarah, if you search it out, means noble woman princess. She's still a princess, but she's now noble. He elevated her status. Okay, that'll move you. Genesis 23, verse 5 and 6. Genesis 23, verse 5 and 6. Genesis 23, verse 5 and 6. This is Abraham after Sarah, Sarah dies. He's looking for a place to bury his, his, uh, his wife. And the sons of Heth answered him, answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choices, choices of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you, his burial place, that you may bury your dead. So notice, she's a princess. He's a prince. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give me um, Isaiah 51. Give me Isaiah 51. Let's start at like verse 1. Isaiah 51, start at verse 1. Wow. Listen to me. Listen to me, you who follow after, you who look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of a pit from which you were dug. Keep going, verse 2. Give me verse 2. Look to Prince Abraham, your father, and to Princess Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. So notice God says, if you're going to go with me where I'm taking you, look back to where you came from. The children of Israel came from a princely line. It was a princely lineage, but they left 400 years of slavery living in the ashes, living in the dust, break them. And they lost 
sight of their princely lineage. Oh, that, okay, let me help you. Let me help you. We, we talked about Abraham. We talked about Sarah, right? Now, who, who's, who's the father of, of, of Israel, the children of Israel? Who? Jacob. Give me Genesis 32, 28 in the King James. Genesis 32, 28. Genesis 32, 28 in the King James Version. Good God Almighty. Genesis 32, 28. Hallelujah. This is what it says. It says, and he said, thy name, this is God talking, or actually the angel talking to, to Jacob who had been wrestling with God. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou and with men and has prevailed. So he said, I'm no longer calling you Jacob, supplanter. I'm now calling you Israel, prince. You're a prince that has prevailed, a prince that, that has power with God and men. This is who produced the children of Israel. So the children of Israel are the children of the prince. All they knew at the beginning was a princely lifestyle. But 400 years of slavery and oppression pulled it out of them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Okay, I got a five minutes to finish this up. So notice their lineages, their, their ancestors, their princes and princesses. They come from a princely line. So you and I, if we're going to walk with Jesus, if we're going to flow with Jesus, we must leave that pauper mindset. Mm -hmm. Remember what they said now, we're going to sit us with princes, with the princes of his people. So God's people are princes. Now I understand you females, you can say I'm, prince, I'm a princess. Right? Right? We can summarize and say we're royalty. That's good. So we, if we're going to flow with Jesus, we got we to gotta get this princely mindset. Remember Isaiah 9, verse 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So call, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Finish it. Come on, help me out. Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So he's the Prince of Peace. It's Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Salvation, the Prince of Wholeness. The prince of prosperity. He's the prince. Now we're in him and he's in us. So we're going to flow with him. We're gonna, he's not going to come down to our level. He did that already. Y'all missed that. He already came down to our level. But the reason he came down to our level was to bring us up to his level. Y'all getting this here. Okay, Media, give me Daniel chapter 8, because we know Jesus Christ is the king of kings, right? Right? We know he's the Lord of lords. 
But did you know he's also the prince of princes? He's a king of kings. Now what kings is he king of? Us. He's a lord of lords. What lord, lords is, is he lord of? He's also, the Bible says, the prince of princes. In Daniel 8, 25, it says, uh, through his cunning, this is, the, this is the Antichrist, he shall cause the seed to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince. See, capital P? Yes. Prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. So he, the Antichrist is going to come against the prince of princes. Yes, sir. Now, the, if he's king of kings, mm -hmm. and we're those kings, right. lord of lords, and we're those lords, and he's prince of princes, we're those princes. Yes, sir. Jesus does, he does, he does not exercise authority. Now, he has ultimate authority, but he does not exercise authority over the princes of this world. If they had known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He would exercise authority over them. You and I are the princes that he's exercising authority over. He's our prince. Y'all got this here. Look at Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8 again. I got to go in quick because I think I offended 38% of y'all. Talking about you being dust and ashes. Just stay dust and ashes if you want to. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. Give me Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 6. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 6. I'm standing in the Bible. I'm standing in the Bible here. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And did what? Raised us and made us sit together. So if we're seated in him, in the heavenlies, among princes, then we must come up in our level, come up in our mindset, come up in our thinking. He's made us a sit among the, sit with the princes. Are y'all getting this here? Not just any prince. The prince of princes. Which means there's a certain way you and I got to be living. A certain way you and I got to be carrying ourselves. Give me Romans 8 verse 30. In the Amplified Classic. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. Amen. Amen. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a what? Heavenly dignity and condition. So notice here a heavenly dignity. Everybody say that's another level right there. I wish y'all could see y'all faces, boy. Y'all are mad. Go and be mad. Go and be mad. But you can't flow with Jesus while you're tethered to this low level.
perfect stuff for Jesus. Shut up. He raises and he lifts. He raises and he lifts. I said he raises and he lifts. He raises and he lifts. To make us sit, to set us with princes. Even the princes of his so all he wants to do is raise us up to a higher level all the time. Let, let, me, let, me, let me read one more thing, and then I'll, I'll let y'all go. Because princely living carries a level of dignity beyond the average human level. It carries a level of dignity beyond the average human level. See, if, if, you, if you got this, if you got this, uh, you wouldn't be so enamored with the world. The reason why folk in the church get caught up in all kind of covetousness is because they're still enamored with the world. Distracted caught up looking at the world when the world has nothing compared to what God wants to do for his people. <laughs> give, me, give me this scripture. Proverbs 19 verse 10. Proverbs 19 10. Are y'all read it already? Yeah. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. So what we can gather from this then is that princes should be ruling and living in luxury. See how y'all ain't saying nothing? See how y'all still struggling? What, what that tells me is that you've not meditated this Bible enough and opened your heart enough to let, let the glory of God um, shine in your heart. Because too many people up in church, in this church, are still offended by luxury. See how y'all looking? Still offended. Or still have this mindset, it don't take all that. I don't need all that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to operate on this prince status, it takes all that.
said luxury is not fitting for a fool. How many fools do I have up in here? You were so anxious to raise your hand, you were about to raise your hand off that one. I'm not a fool, am I? I'm talking about you. I'm not a, you're not a fool, are you? So if you're not a fool, then luxury must be fitting for you. And you're not the servant here. I said, see, the church world has so conditioned people to, to act like we're the servants down here. And we're not. We're the princes down here. And if somebody ever has the audacity to step out and act and look like a prince, you pick on them. Who they think they are. They all flashy. They're not flashy. They're princely. You're just drab. They're not flashy. You're just plain. They're, you're not flashy. You're just dusty and ashy. They're not the problem, baby. You're the problem. Y'all don't have to like me on Thursday night. They're not the problem. You're the problem. They're just living out their DNA. They're just letting that DNA show and shine through on the outside. And because you've not renewed your mind and let your soul light itself in abundance, you got a problem with their princely lifestyle. But luxury isn't fitting for a fool. And if I'm not a fool, then luxury must be fitting for me. Hallelujah. Okay, let me ask this question. Who, who wrote this, that, this problem? Solomon. Okay. Now, y'all ever read about Solomon's um, lifestyle? His house. His servants, the waiters, the food spread every month, the temple, the steps to the temple. I mean, I mean, how, how Solomon had everything laid out. Twelve chefs, world-class cuisine eating every month. Don't, don't, don't beat me to it. World-class food culinary delights and his waiters apparel, the cupbearers apparel, the officers apparel was so so flashy it made a queen faint. Living in the lap of luxury and God gave it all to him. Yes, sir. I said, and God gave it all to him. My question is, where did he learn all that? He's a son of a king, which made him a 
So he learned all this as a prince. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he copied what he saw. And when he became king, took it to a whole other level. Now he knew this. And he said, luxury isn't fitting for a fool. But it's fitting for a prince. Praise the Lord. Can I give you one more scripture? Because this goes with this one. Give me Luke 7, 24 to 28. The words of Jesus. Luke 7, 24 to 28. Because I want to hear what pastor, I want to hear what Jesus said. I, I believe Jesus. I don't believe what that, he just trying to, he just, trying to what? Make you rich, bring you up. I ain't trying to. What I'm trying to do. When the messenger of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. He said to them, What did you go out to in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. Verse 25, keep going. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Soft garments. He said, indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. So what happened, what we get here, Jesus telling them, this is not John the Baptist. John the Baptist ain't this guy. John the Baptist, he ain't him. He said, if you want to find somebody in gorgeously apparelled and living in luxury, they are in king's courts. Now here come the church folk. See, that ain't where we belong. We don't belong in king's courts. We don't, we don't want to be the ones in soft garments and gorgeously apparel. That's not us. Keep reading, Reb. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, a prophet. And more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I see my message before your face, whom, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, remember this one? Among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet, but he who is least in the, in the what? Kingdom of God is greater than he. So John wasn't in the kingdom. You'll get this by next Monday night, I believe. John wasn't in the kingdom. So soft garments... And luxurious apparel, all the things he just talked about wasn't for John. He wasn't in the kingdom. But those of us who are the least in the kingdom are greater than John. So we don't go by John's standards. Dusty and ashy. If you if you if you watch this this TV show The Chosen, you saw John the Baptist did that. He always he was always looking dusty and ashy. Was it not all looking dusty and ashy? Oh, I want to be like scraggly, dusty and ashy. Eating locusts and honey, wild locusts and honey. Oh, that's, yeah, that's it. No, he was a forerunner of Christ. 
He wasn't Christ. He was a forerunner of Christ. Prepared the way for Jesus Christ. My model is Jesus. How did Jesus operate? That seamless robe that they gambled over. But even before he went into town, he walked everywhere, didn't he? But not when he went in the town. His triumphal entry, he said, go get me a donkey that nobody ever sat on. I want a brand spanking new donkey. And he marched into town on a brand spanking new donkey, rode into town. He rode luxuriously. He rode triumphantly like Psalm 45 talks about. He rode prosperously like Psalm 45 talks about. And it was then when he rode into town that all the folk who called him rabbi and teacher all of a sudden called him king. Y'all stand to your feet. I don't know if y'all already is. When he, when, he, when he galloped into town on this brand new donkey, they called him a king. All along, he was rabbi and teacher and master. When he came on that new donkey, king. See, you think that the luxury is about you. The luxury is not about you, it's about who you represent. Y'all yeah. wow. half-hearted clapping on me, that's all right. It's about who you represent. The niceties, they're about who you represent. How you put yourself together, it's about who you represent. So you won't see Prince William and Kate walking around unkempt. I'm so particular, I heard about with uh, uh, the Princess Kate, Duchess Kate, I think that's her name, official title, that they, 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 they rig her clothes in such a way Weights on her skirts that her skirt would never fly away and be exposed. And yet in church, people want to wear and dress all kind of crazy stuff. Because it's just church. You're trying to reach the people. No, who do you represent? about half-hearted clapping again is who do I represent? See, man, we got to adjust quickly. Raises the poor out of the dust. Lifts the needy out of the ash heap, the dung hill. To sit them among princes, with the princes among the princes of his people. 
a certain way princes walk. I can guarantee you, if Duchess Kate ran into Target, she don't have no bonnet on her head. Pastor, you, you, man, you messing with that message. You mess. She's not going run to the, run, the, run the Walmart in her pajamas. Y'all ain't saying anything to me. I know, I know. I know, this is, this is shock value kind of stuff. I, that's what I want. I want shock value. Think about that tonight. When you lay your head on your pillow. What are you going to be? You going to let that princely nature come out of you? Or are you going to keep suppressing it because you're more comfortable in dust and ashes? I mean, I, I dare you to let God shake you up. Shake me up, Come on. Shake me up. Hallelujah. Seriously, man. I, I dare you to just let God shake you up. Not just resist. No, this is how I am. Stop being how you am. Who you am doesn't look like. Pastor, you think you're all that? No, not yet. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm going to let God keep changing me and challenging me. Not just that'll do, that'll work. That's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. Kingdom is uh, princely. Royal. Mama Alberto tells a story. I don't know Mama Alberto. A story about how the Lord dealt with her and she, he, he said to her, if you were adopted into Queen Elizabeth at that time, still living, into that family, how would you live then? She, all she said was, my whole life would change. It would look totally different from where I am now. And yet God told her, you've been adopted to the most royal family. The most royal family. You and I are in the most royal family. We're royal priesthood. Let yourself go. Let your old self go. Get out of here, old self. I'm a prince or a princess. Some of you single folk, when you know who you are, prince or princess, there's, there's certain people who can't even approach you. 
did, did you just blow at me? Did you just cat call me? Did you just hey shorty me? I'm supposed to turn around? Hey shorty. Hey shorty. You young guys, y'all looking to find a wife? Be a prince. Prince Charming. Somebody let me get them digits. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't how princes talk. That's not how princes talk. Whatever they do, I'm ta- you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you don't. There's there's a certain decorum about you. There's a certain gentleness about you. Distinguished gentlemen, open doors, hold doors open, pull chairs out. A few years ago, my oldest daughter Alexis, she turned whatever it is. I took her out. Father-daughter date. Before you start, let me show you how it's done. So if he don't treat you like this, keep stepping. Because you're a princess. Lord, thank you tonight. I know this word is challenging, Lord. I know you gave me the responsibility of sharing it. And I know that, Father, there's much resistance in the soul. Oh, but our spirit, man, is grabbing a hold of this word. In fact, our spirit, man, is saying, give me more. Please don't stop. Give me more. Give me more. I want to be free to be who I know I'm supposed to be. My spirit is saying I want to be free to be that person. God, yet your word says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Your word says that we prosper and we are healthy because our souls prosper. So, Father, tonight I pray these persons, the sound of my voice here and those that are tuned in now and in the future will allow themselves the freedom to step into that royal, that royalty that you've called us to live in. That God will shake off the familiarity, the, the thing that we're most comfortable with, that in many cases is dusty and ashy. And allow ourselves to step into that regal, royal place as princes and princesses. I pray that God you even help us in this church to see each other that way. That we don't ever dishonor each other. 
regarding anyone after the flesh and not by the spirit. That we see each other as kings and queens and royal children, royal priesthood. That God, as we go out of this place, everywhere we go, we walk like that. We walk in that place. Your word talked about, Lord, how Abraham, when he sojourned through the land, it, it, it literally means he walked as if he owned the place. So, God, we pray that, God, you help us to walk with our heads held high, not in arrogance or pride, but in the confident assurance that we are children of the Most High God. That we're not low-down rabble-rousers and scoundrels and dirty dogs, but we're God's men and God's women. I pray, Father, that you will help us, you'll help us to, to walk and step into the fullness of this, this uh, royal place. Thank you that we can sit among princes, sit with the princes of your people. Keep us now. We'll go there. We'll go there. You take us there. We'll go there. We'll go. And we'll represent you in everything we do and everything we say. Everywhere we go, we'll represent you. We'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.